Hello and welcome to Oh Mother Where Art Thou, the Barcelona-based podcast about life as a parent, what we do for fun and where to go for help. I'm Lucy, I'm your host and you're listening to episode three. Coming up I have the wonderful Vicky Gonzalez, a doula, mum of three and possibly the kindest person I've ever met. Vicky was there at the birth of both of my sons and when she arrived for the interview she was also there the moment I found out I was an auntie for the first time. In this episode we talk about why she became a doula, her births and experiences, what a doula's role is and she gives us amazing tips for pregnancy, birth, breastfeeding and postpartum. For any more information or if you want to contact me go to omotherbarcelona.com. Here's the interview with Vicky, I hope you love it as much as I did. Welcome to Oh Mother, Where Art Thou? Thank you so much for coming here today. It's a pleasure. And before we really get started on learning about you, can you tell me what a doula is? A doula is a person, firstly, non-sanitary person. So maybe instead of saying what we are, we -hmm. can start saying what we are not. So we are not nurse, we are not midwife, so we cannot send births or we cannot do any vaginal exam or touching the belly or whatever Mm -hmm. either telling you to take medicines or not taking them or whatever related to to the medicine so what do you do so then what do we do um our role is mainly to offer support so emotional support logistical support and a lot of tips and tricks about what to do to make things easier so that's my job, is being at your side, giving you a hand and going with you, helping you living this beautiful process in your own way, because I'm not interfering in what you choose to do or what mm-hmm. you want, but just helping you to, to, to do what, to get your, your birth as, as you want it, or at least as close to your ideal Yeah, as a you positive can. experience. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's our job. So where are you from? Here I'm Catalan from Barcelona. I was born here. And your partner? My husband is Lebanese from Lebanon. I met him in Paris 18 years ago. And how old are your children? My oldest, he is 13. My daughter, she is 11. And then I found the little one who is 7. Wow. Experience mama. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I think that every day is a new experience. We are learning every day, every day. Mm -hmm. And each child is different and their needs are different. And we are growing as as a person too. I think that motherhood is one of the strongest experiences in life. It is. How were your births with each of your children? What happened with each of them? My first kid, uh, he was breached. So I knew it was going to be a C-section. But... And the week 38, I broke my back of waters like a big flush. And wow. and I started contractions and I got to the hospital. I was dilated like five centimeters. So I knew what having contractions was, but I had a C-section because uh, it was planned like that. Yeah. With my daughter, I gave birth on the week 35, so pretty early. Mm. And it was a vaginal birth, but very medicalized in a private hospital. So I got and after cesarean section, which can be hard, can't it? Yeah, but it was it was very easy because the baby was very small. The problem was that sanitary personnel who attended my birth they were in a hurry. So You're the I clinical got, people, the yeah, clinic, right? I got an episiotomy. I got. I got, well... Did you have an epidural and things? I had an epidural and it was hard. It was hard because due to everything what happened and my daughter was, she was sent to intensive care. Finally, I couldn't see my daughter and I couldn't be with her. So for me, it was a super, super hard experience. 
After this experience... Was that public healthcare? It was private. Private. And the first two were? Yes, different private, but they were both private. So after that, I decided I didn't want to give birth again in a hospital because I was frightened that every time I had given birth in a hospital, someone had taken my, my child from me. So with my C-section, I didn't see my baby until five hours after the birth. And the mm. second time, I was not able to be with my daughter for four days. So I was fine about this. And then I decided to hire a, a midwife and have a home birth with my third. Wow. So And how did that go? It went super well. It went really, really amazing and very positive. Easy, very positive. My husband was there with me, my midwife, and also my older son. He was there when the baby was born and he was amazed. That was the most beautiful thing. Yeah. Seeing my son being so amazed with, with his yeah. new was little he there brother. At the time? He during was there the birth. during the birth at wow. the end. And he he saw his brother getting out and he I thought that he was gonna get frightened or whatever, but he was simply amazed. Excited he was like Mom, Mom, he opened one eye and he stared at me and look he has these little fingers. Look at oh. these little nails and oh he his little tongue, he opened his mouth and his Oh my god, you're was, giving me goosebumps. He he was like so excited, so happy and we spent like four hours the five of us in in our room in my bed spending then my daughter woke up and we were the five of us in in my bed in my room with oh my god i were just lying down i was like so happy and no one took any of my children so i could be there like the the chicken mom you know Super like, mom. The, <laughs> like uh, in french we say maman poule like, like with all the babies. Yeah, with all the babies. <laughs> all the babies. Yeah, it was oh, beautiful. It so nice. beautiful. You were giving me goosebumps because today my sister just gave birth yeah, at home. Congratulations. With a, with a midwife in California. So she's so far away. And it's making me all teary to think about a beautiful home birth like that and how how she's going to feel about her, her new baby, her first baby. So, um, yes, apologies if I get all, no, all emotional today. No, that's beautiful. That. It's, uh, it sounds like an amazing thing. It was not something I felt brave enough to do, have a baby at, at home. I'm so happy my sister's just arrived <laughs> safely yeah, and, and at home and she's got what she, exactly what she wanted. Of so. course, of course. So I invited you on the podcast, Vicky, because you made a massive difference to my experience as a mum, I suppose, because starting it positively is always a good start. Of course. And so when I was pregnant with Oscar, I was quite early in my pregnancy, I think, before six months, and I contacted you because I got a recommendation from a friend, um, more than one friend, actually, <laughs> and I hadn't really considered a doula, and then my friends said they did it, and one of my biggest fears was the language, so I was really looking for someone I could pay and who would be able to be there and translate for me, and when I spoke to my friends who had children, they all said, Vicky, 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 get a doula. <laughs> And so I looked into it and honestly, I really thought that was going to be the only reason I used you or that you were going to be there. And so, because I thought it would be between me and George, that was my original thought that it would be very personal between us. Why would we want someone else there? And then my pregnancy went bad. It was hard. <laughs> yeah, it was really bad. And so you were there all the way through. I hadn't even really started with you and you were there and talking to me and helping me and making me feel And you relaxed. also made a birthday party for George, remember, in the yeah, hospital. Yeah, you remember God, that? Yeah, yeah so, so I was could... in hospital with preterm labor 
and it was George's birthday and we did balloons and all sorts of things and you helped me do that which was yeah. crazy I don't know why I felt like I needed to do that but it was it was amazing and Vicky you brought me food to my house when I was on bed rest it was just like having a family member really and then you did a wonders in my birth with Oscar which was induced and I had oxytocin and and I managed to do it naturally just an air. yeah it was thank you I it was still amazing thank no you. but you were the one who did it <laughs> so the fight was just giving you the support you needed at that moment to cope yeah. with the whole process but it was beautiful it was beautiful you were yeah. brave yeah I was so lucky to have that experience with you with Oscar and then again with Sam as well <laughs> which was a bit last minute but um, yeah, we managed supposed. to get together and I used a different doula in the meantime while you were away and then when I found out you were back I called you up and we went into hospital together and had another induction which was a crazy experience again but amazing amazing it was yeah it was powerful and 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 very very fast but it was funny because we had this close relationship so I really felt like I was your sister so you could talk to me with all your honesty and telling me you know uh, I need this or I don't need that or and I love when when this complicity exists among the mom and the doula so so now I've been with many women who have repeated yeah now I'm on call for another lady who gave birth uh, three years ago uh, a little girl and and now she's expecting it's so magical to have the same the same person there but experiences are really different remember that your birth with Oscar and your birth with Sam were so different one to the other different and so similar but both very positive and I do think having you there really just relaxed me because it had gone well the first time you know and then being there it was brilliant so why did you become a doula I've got my degree in business administration and I used to work in marketing Jules formation was just something that I had always wanted to do, but I was not allowing myself to accept it because it was very different about what I had been studying till then. And then I did one year study. I did the formation to become a doula. My idea was not becoming a real doula. So why did you do it? Just out of just, interest? Just the interest and being informed and getting information and, and meeting other women. And it was a magical experience because the truth is that I've got three kids and at that moment I had two. And my second experience had been very hard and my first had been a C-section. So this formation really helped me to be calm with my experience and feel uh-huh. really neutral to be able to to be at the side of anyone in any kind of hospital giving support and not interfering my feelings or my ancient experience right. so it's like dealing with your own experience it was it was a personal journey yes <laughs> yes it was one year but it was a, a very deep work but very personal so it really helped me in my motherhood and realizing therapy, therapy for yourself it, a little bit yeah that was not uh, the objective of the formation at all but for me it was a little bit like that then uh, once we finished you had the possibility of doing some practice like working but not being paid for it but you need experience assisting someone else assisting someone else so uh, I I assisted one birth and I did several afterbirth services and after like five services like this I told my husband I told him look it's amazing because I'm working the whole day and when I go to visit a, a family that maybe I don't know them when I leave their house, I feel more energy and I feel much better 
than when I came in. How is it possible? And I was amazed. Then after giving birth my third kid, I thought, that feeling is so strong and it's so powerful and so beautiful that I have to try. So here in Spain, once you've got a child, you've got the possibility of stop working for one year. So I decided that was the moment to try. Yeah. Amazing. So, so you took a whole year out. When I, was that? What year? 2011. Right. When I had my third kid. So I took one year off. So firstly, I had to ask for a loan because I didn't have money to, to say one year without working. Mm-hmm. So I asked loan in the bank and I kept one year just trying to work as a doula. And then when it was moment to go back to my ancient job, I couldn't. It was what I had to do. I was sure that that was what I wanted to do with my life. Wow. And that's I a was good sure, feeling. Eh? Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. But it's very, it's very hard because I was not earning much money, nearly nothing. I had debts because I had a loan. I had three kids. My husband is, is a teacher, so his, his salary is not huge. And we were in, a, in the biggest economical crisis in Spain that we have lived in and the you're last like, years. Hey, I'll just not work. <laughs> I'll just concentrate on being a dealer. It was hard. Then, thanks to my husband, who was at my side, and he said, Look, Vicky, if you don't try it now, you will never do it. Yeah, so if you go back to work now, that's you it. Won't, isn't it? You won't. And I really felt like in this film, Matrix, I don't know if you have seen it. Yeah. I just, in, there's a scene at the beginning that Morfeo gives two pills to. to yeah. And, and he has to choose or his ancient life, he knows going to the office, doing this, he can do it pretty well mm-hmm. or doing something completely different. He doesn't know what's going to happen. It's the red he, or the blue pill, isn't yeah. it, in the Matrix? I took it. So yes, I, I decided to, to stop working and start working as a doula. And since then, it was 2000, nearly 2012. And I've been working since then. And the truth is that I know that I will never earn what I was earning as in my national job in marketing. But you know, I don't mind at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love what I do and I wouldn't change that for nothing. So Amazing. at the moment, I'm, I'm happy. And as I'm happy, I, I love helping other people feel happy too. So that's... that's yeah, Vicky, you're one of the kindest That's and happiest beautiful job. <laughs> people I know. That's a beautiful job. Yeah, it's really beautiful. It's one of the things that make you such an amazing person to be around at those times when you've got worries and stress and things like that, that you come into the room and you're like a light. <laughs> it's amazing. Thank you. I didn't imagine that. But yeah, yeah. I, I, well, it's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. How many births have you attended now? 60 at the moment. 60. 60 different mums, 60 different, well, no, not 60 not, different mums. No, 60, <laughs> 60 births, different births. 60 yeah. different babies. Yes. So what's your most memorable birth story? I don't have one. You don't have one? Each, each birth story has its memorable things. I cannot tell you. For example, to tell you, your birth, you had, you're the only one who was, had an induction with, with oxytocin, who could cope without any epidural. That's also memorable. I've been with women who were having super long birth and finally, and, and looked like it was going to finish with a C-section. Finally, they had vaginal birth as they wanted. Mm-hmm. And that's memorable. And sometimes very fast births, you have some friends who gave birth mm-hmm. very fast. Yeah, These yeah. are amazing too. Each single birth is memorable. Each single birth is, wow. Yeah, so... Um, I couldn't choose that. 60 magical moments. 60 magical moments. Wow. Each one. Yeah, man. That's what you want in your work, isn't it? To have that 
every single time you work. Yeah. I feel like that. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, so what was your longest birth? Yeah, that I can tell. <laughs> That's very clear. 36 hours. Wow. From when until when? From when it's just started or from when you arrive when it gets a bit since more serious? It was an induction since she had started having strong contractions. So 36 hours. Yeah. And how did it end? Vaginal birth with epidural. Did it? Wow. Yes, it was yeah, memorable. Well done. Say. And when did she have the epidural? She had the epidural like 12 hours before the birth. Wow. Crikey. So she did, what, 24 hours? Yeah, without it. Yeah. Crikey. This is what I always say. Like, yeah, I had really quick births. But if that had continued for another 12 hours, I don't think I'd have been able to do it without pain yeah. relief. It was, you know, you just get tireder and tireder. Of course. I remember you told me once. Contractions don't really get stronger. You just get tired, and so it's harder to handle them. Yeah. And I think that really helped me in, in labor to know that with everyone, to know that they weren't going to get worse than that. It was just me having to handle them. That really helped. And your shortest birth? The shortest birth you've ever attended? There are many short births. Like I could say six or six to ten very short births. Since the moment we got to the hospital, the lady is already full dilated. And then half an hour, 45 minutes later, the baby's there. Or one hour later, the baby's wow. there. Usually all these fast births, all they have been uh, in second labors. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, because it's, it's quite normal, isn't it? Don't they say they halves each time? The number of hours halves each time. It I worked don't perfectly s- for me. Six I- to three. <laughs> six with Oscar and three with Sam. I cannot say that because there are many women who have a very long birth the first time and then very long birth the second time too. So yeah. we, we, never, we really never know. What is true is that it's not the most common when you are expecting your first baby to be very fast unless it happens but if it's second time really prepare if it's second time <laughs> yeah it's much better to don't to wait not to wait much yeah when do you start working with the families it really depends there are some women who who come the earliest usually it's around three months of pregnancies mm-hmm. that's very early when but would you recommend when you feel it when you yeah. feel it it's some women, they need that support since the early beginning. And others, they don't realize that maybe they would need that support until they are 38 weeks. Yeah. And they call you like, oh, I'm on 38th week and I'm thinking about doula. And you're like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> but before the birth, it's never too late. I mean. Yeah. Why do people look for a doula? What's your normal experience? Why people want to do Mainly that? because you need support. You need support for helping you with with language, helping you to cope with the whole process, also helping you because you don't have family and after birth, you know, you see, it can be hard. So having someone who comes to your house and helps you cooking or just taking care of you so you can take care of the baby, it's it's important, it's nice. Mm -hmm. So in general, people, they ask for for doula because of these situations. Yeah. International families must have that need quite a lot here because of the lack of grandparents and families around them. So do you often go into their houses afterwards as as support? Yeah, 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 yeah. I do all all the roles of, of a doula, pregnancy, birth and after birth. In my experience, mainly I work, I would say, like 70% with foreigners and 30% with locals. All right. But it's beautiful because you know yeah. what? You can be with European people, Asian people, American, African, 
whatever, and you realize that you don't speak the same language, you come from a very different culture, often different religion, but at the end, all women, we are all the same, yeah. and we're searching for the same things. And when we experience love, it's exactly the same love here and in Tumbuktu, you see. And when you are living this, and you are at the side of a lady, you feel like like she was your sister, and you say, how is it possible? We are so different, you know? where uh, everything's different, but at the, but we are the same, yeah. exactly the same. For me, that's that's been a great experience. I've been with ladies of Kazakhstan, Philippines, all countries of Europe, China. So And everyone, when it comes down to it, everyone has the same feelings and the same emotions and the same... And the same fears mm. and the same, you know, yeah. maybe changes the fact that uh, in one culture, maybe we are more shy and we don't shout that much. Mm. Or maybe in one culture, we swear. <laughs> or we don't accept or we don't like being touched so much, you yeah. know? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm very Mediterranean and I kiss a lot and I touch a lot. And sometimes <laughs> I realize that that's not what I have to do with some women because yeah. they don't feel comfortable and that's very important. But at the end, you can give support in many different ways. So just holding the hand or just staring at that person and just mm. whispering, you're doing amazing. That's, that's the same. And yeah. everything's going well and, you know. That's really good. That's really so good. So how do that's people really... choose their doula? That you should ask to those people <laughs> because they don't know. But in general, they ask me experience, how many births I have attended. But also, I think that that's, it's not only about data, what you have done. It's about feeling. Yeah, and I it think definitely was for me, I think. I think that's very important. And mm. I always tell the, the women who, who I'm meeting that it is important that they meet more than one person if they feel it. Because mm. they must choose that person who fits with her and they must feel really comfortable with us, with that person. It's super personal. So I always tell them, don't answer me now. Just think about it. And if your husband, because the partner needs to feel that too, because they're going to decide to share a very personal experience with you. And for me, that's a big honor always. So I, I understand that both of them, they must feel comfortable. I, I really think that they ask you all this information, but at the end, it's a, an intuition decision. And they yeah. feel it or they don't feel it. How do you become a doula now? If, say, for example, I wanted to become a doula or, or anyone else, how do you become a doula? I think, firstly, it is important to do this kind of formation. It is what a, is a formation? It's a course. It's a course, yeah. one-year course. And do you have to be a mum? No, not anymore. When I did it, it was one of the requirements. But the truth is that I met doulas who were not mums. And they were amazing. Sometimes a person who is a mom and she had had one child, she has one experience. Mm. And that experience sometimes conditions or affects, just affects, affects her. her work as a doula. Because yeah. she has three ideas in her mind. And that's very bad. Mm. I really I really think that it's very important to be super neutral when mm. you are with a, part, with a couple. Yeah. Because you cannot be interfering in what they're choosing or interfering what they want or interfering whatever. Mm. You must be there just giving support. And that's very important. For me, that's one of the main things of being a doula. The important thing is just being there super neutral. That's one of the things that I don't like of conception of doulas, you know? People who are thinking that babies, they cannot use pacifier. 
Why not? You know, if or babies mommy needs or wants and whatever. You know, choice. it's not your job. You know, or babies must sleep with the parents. Hey, why is that? I mean, it's it's an option, of course. Mm-hmm. But you've got many options, and you've got as many options as as moms and dads and babies. I've got three kids, and what I did with my first, it's very different than what I did with my second, and very different than what I did with my third. But everything, every single decision I took, it was from my heart. So no one in earth can tell me that what I did with my first was wrong or was better than what I did with my third. So for me, that's very important. That's very important. Not having one ideal in your mind. Because mm-hmm. there are so many different ways of doing things. Yeah. And, and my job is doing that kind of coach. Just yeah. listening to that woman and listening to that family. That's a good name for you. You're like a you're like a mum coach. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Kind Not of a life coach. You're like a mum coach. <laughs> That's I think the biggest role of a doula. Yeah. Wow. Being a coach. Just knowing how to listen to a person. And not only what she's telling you, but what she's expressing in other ways. Now I'd like to go through each stage of how you help. So yeah. starting with pregnancy, what's your role during the pregnancy? During pregnancy, I do help women with anything they may need. So usually if they don't speak the language, I go with them to the visits with the midwife or to the gynecologist. I help them with the administrative procedures they may need to get the padron and the sanitary card or the S2 or whatever. So Mm -hmm. I help them with this. I also help them with antenatal sessions, which are never exclusive from me. I mean, I always suggest to follow like a midwife antenatal course but what I try to offer it's more a practical vision about what you're gonna feel mm-hmm. what kind of tips I can give you some ideas I think I think so, one thing to say as well is with Oscar I was on bed rest and I couldn't attend antenatal classes and the fact that you came to our home and gave me and George a private yeah. session was I don't know if that's something yeah 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 other people but was like amazing because I'd read everything I was sat on the sofa doing nothing but George hadn't (laughs) annoyingly (laughs) but um, he hadn't at all and so to to have you stand up in front of us and sort of act out labor (laughs) which is what you did um, was amazing and and really needed you know and 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 that's what that that's what I did. I mean, I tried to give you all that information that you receive from the sanitary personnel to a more practical point of view about what you can do and mainly give some tips to the partner what mm. he can do because often the problem is that the system they say, "Oh, yes, the partner, you are there," but they are not giving them any specific role. And men they are lost. I want to help, but what do I have to do? There are men who don't want to be involved, but yeah. They're not the majority in no, general. The majority now is people want to get involved and they want to help the mummy. Yeah. And so it's it, that really helped us, what you said to George. It made a difference to him. And, and in the birth as well, you being there supported him because it it made him feel more confident in his role. That's, that's, that's my role. That's, that's my job, trying to involve him. To, because this complicity you've got among between a couple, it's so beautiful and, and I, I want to keep it. You yeah, know? Yeah. So I'm there giving tips, helping, giving a lot of confidence to the to, to the partner too. Like don't stress, now the situation is this, now mm. maybe it's gonna happen that. Now, you know, giving information because they, they are protecting, they need to get that information, you know. Mm. And they they must feel safe that his wife and his child 
they are fine, you know. Yeah. That's the most important thing for yeah. a man. So how can a family reduce stress and worry pre-baby? I think information. Information yeah. is, is, is the key. I mean, if you are informed, all these fears, they get more concrete. And you see that, okay, what I'm frightened for? I'm frightened about contractions. Then I know mm. how contractions will be, how I'm going to identify them. Yeah. What do I have to do to cope with them? How do they look like? Are they my enemy or are they my ally? I think that uh, information Knowledge can really... Knowledge is power, isn't it? Yeah, I, I really, I really felt it. that when I, when I was with Oscar that, that I'd read so much and I felt it really put my mind at rest, you know? Which are the best hospitals in Barcelona? I couldn't say that either because mm. it's not about the hospital, but it's about personal who are mm. working there. It's not important the four walls or the building or the protocol either. What is important is people who are going to attend you and yeah. how they are going to do it. If they are caring about you, if they can help you, if they are listening to you, this is what is important. And so, I suppose if you feel comfortable there. Of course. Yeah. So I think that each woman must do this research and find a place where she feels comfortable and she feels secure. Because the day of the birth, you cannot be judging or doubting or thinking, ah, they are going to... No, no, no. The day of the birth, you must be very calm and, and focused on yourself. That's the most important thing. And all these questions, you have solved them before. You yeah. got the answers before. So good hospitals. I think it's important that the hospital is not very far. I mean, mm-hmm. if you are in Badalona... <laughs> Don't I go think- to Matanta. <laughs> I think it's far going to Matanita. It's crazy, wasn't it? So, yeah, but... But It ended up okay because I was induced and I got the time to go there. Yeah, that was it. But I mean, mean, you had a plan B. I mean, it's possible. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that this is the good hospital, this is the bad hospital. No. Can a mum change the hospital she gets designated automatically? She can. She can. So say, for example, she's in public health care and she's lives in an area and her local hospital isn't where she wants to give birth for whatever reason, um, she can change that, can she? Yeah. She can go to her midwife in the cup mm. and she can ask for a derivation to the hospital where she want to go. Okay. And can you help someone with that if, yes. if they need? Okay, great. So when you get to the last stage of pregnancy and mm-hmm. you are in your last weeks, you're mm-hmm. already past the 37-week stage and the baby could come any time. Mm-hmm. What do you recommend to mummies to get it moving? It really depends on how she feels and the weight of the baby. And If she feels good, then you just say, just enjoy. sit it out and enjoy it. And then if she doesn't, or if she's overdue, do you have tips for getting a, a baby? The truth is that babies want to come when they want to come. <laughs> there are not many things that we can do. But from one hand, we've got sex. That can always help. But Why does that help? Because in, in sperm, there are a lot of prostaglandins, which is the hormone that helps the cervix getting erased. Oh, so so it has to be sperm sex. Yes. <laughs> Without a condom, sperm has to get on that, yes. on that cervix, That's, right? Yeah. Okay. And, and also when we've got an, an orgasm, we are producing a lot of oxytocin, which are the hormones which are going to help promoting contractions. Right, okay. So both things can make help. So it's an absolute benefit for all. Yes. Might be completely uncomfortable, but it's an absolute benefit for all. <laughs> I always say, look, you don't have anything to lose. <laughs> and the truth is that after birth, you have to wait a little bit before. Yeah. Why not get one try, in last yeah, minute? <laughs> At least you will enjoy it. But very often doesn't work either. Yeah. You enjoy it, but that's it. And anything else? I've got a little tip. 
in in my pocket is destiny the lady having a massage kind of shiatsu massage or mm-hmm. what's a shiatsu massage shiatsu is 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 a massage where the person the therapist is touching acupuncture points but with the fingers so right. it's a pressure oh so it's pressure points pressure so massaging points, pressure but points but it's kind of massage it's not that they are just pressing right okay, ah, so they, they just know where to concentrate but it's a little bit directed and I think that mainly what we have to do when, when we're, we are overdue is to relax. But how can I tell a lady who is overdue, just relax yourself? Okay, that's, that's why the massage works, because they get that's to very lie easy. down. That's very out. easy to say, but how do I do it? But the massage connects with your body and can yeah. help you relaxing. And sometimes if you're not in labor, it's because we are under tension. So that's my little tip. And it usually yeah. works. Then we move on to birth. So what's your role in the birth? In the birth, I'm not interfering at all with sanitary personnel. That's firstly very important. And my job is giving you support to help you cope with the whole process, contraction by contraction, helping you in, in the way, making you things easier. Giving uh, you confidence. Giving you confidence, offering you water, doing the massage if you need it, making the environment more comfortable, more cozy, more, you know, that's my job being there. And giving support also to your partner. I mean, uh, giving him ideas what he can do, and you know, Things depending on the, <laughs> depending on the situation and move. I tell him, come here. You can do this. You can do that. You know, like I really liked where you you told George that I needed to be in a bubble and all distractions should just be like flicked away by him. <laughs> yeah. You know, he should just be like, nope, nope, nope. And that environment can really relax you and, and get you in the, in the state to mm-hmm. go into the next stage. Something I didn't know that had happened until afterwards with Sam when I was potentially having a caesarean section because his heart rate was dropping. George said that you were prepping him for what was going to happen in the in this potential caesarean, yeah. caesarean section and it seemed like he was prepared and it was so nice to have him there and fit and coming across strong. Yeah. When we talked about it after I realized that that was and because it really uh, helped. It's him. not that I'm I'm hiding anything to the lady. Huh? No, no. It's, it's not. It's, it's just so that I'm in that bubble that that zone. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, was, that's the objective to protect mm. her and try to give her the best support so what are the stages of labor we've got pre-labor stage which is when we start with contractions but they are still not regular not regular but they, are they painful or does it depend? they could they could be painful yeah. they can start not being very painful but they can increase and so what's happening intensity. during that it's like your cervix is softening or, or? In, during this period which can last pretty long your cervix is gonna get softer and then shorter until become just a hole and this hole is gonna dilate until three centimeters oh so he's right up until three centimeters more or less yeah that's pre-labor and um then then there's a dilation stage which is from the three centimeters to the full dilation which are 10 centimeters of dilation of the cervix and then we've got the delivery. The delivery stage is once we are full dilated, this baby needs to descend through the canal of the pelvis. The baby needs to go through and turn and find the, the, the right angle, no? The wider diameter with the narrowest part of her head. Of that's his the, or her that's head. the important part, the, de- so of the descent. So they need to descend yeah. and, and then come out. So that's a delivery stage. Wow. And then the last stage, because many people think that the baby, once the baby is born, the, the birth is finished, but the birth is not finished yet no. because we need to deliver the placenta. And that's the last stage. After the birth, there's 
uh, there's a calm. So you feel calm, you're enjoying having your baby skin to skin. And then suddenly you start having contractions again. And then you feel the urge to push again. So you push a little bit and and, and the placenta gets out. Okay, so that, that's the stage of labor. We'll just go back to when we start going into labor and the birth. Do you go to the family's house or do you meet them at the hospital? It really depends. I go to the mother's house if they need me to go there because they they feel that contractions maybe they are not that that strong but maybe they need that more support before going to the hospital then I stay with them as long as needed until I I believe that uh, we're entering into the second stage like dilation stage as I'm not sanitary personnel I don't really know it because the only way of knowing is doing a vaginal exam but I follow my instinct and depending on how she is acting, how she is breathing, how strong are the contractions, how frame. based on quite a lot of experience as yeah, well. <laughs> depending on all this data, then I suggest, okay, now it's a good moment to move to a hospital. Then yeah. we move to a hospital. Do you have any special signs during labor? You said you um, use your instincts during labor for the different, different stages. Are there mm. any examples of how someone goes from one stage to the next or when someone starts being... A certain well, way, me, the pressure. If the lady feels a lot of pressure when she's having contraction, then we have to run. What low pressure? Like, yeah. like then we have to go. Then she needs to push. Oh wow! That's when we have to run. And but, have you been in a situation where you've missed the signs and you and you end up having the baby before they get to the hospital? No, no. So you know those signs. <laughs> you've got them down. Yeah, but I know that something that more births I'm gonna leave it's something that it can happen because yeah. you know comes quicker than expected it can come quicker yeah. and when when we are with the second baby you can remember with some you were lying down on your side and suddenly you need you felt the urge to push you pushed once and your baby was there yeah was I mean since the moment that you felt this urge to push when the baby was there it was what yeah. nothing nothing I, I, I couldn't even get out of the room calling the midwife like yeah, I know. Right? Calm the, ba- the baby's already but that's, there. That's another thing that I was going to ask you because I, I went into this weird zone of calm, like I needed to sleep. Is that a sign, would you say, as well? Before yeah. before it all goes, we just all, all steam ahead. Women just have like a lie down and go, I'll just, I'll just have a little, little you nap. Have, it's your like, body resting, no? Yes. And there are other things like that, different stages when it starts to, when you know that that's very clear just before delivery and and from the first stage of pre-labor until the real dilation stage there's the frequency the strength of contractions the length of contractions that guides you a little bit Mm. so both things are are important what do you say to mothers to help them cope with contractions exhaling breathing out and using the movement and not being frightened of of those contractions try to see them as your ally Mm. that thanks to them, your baby will be born. So don't try to fight against them. Yeah. Try to let them go through your body. Try to let them do their job. Don't try to avoid them. That's yeah. it. Just let them go. Let them go through it. That's for me the big... The be excited big... by them. Be positive about them. Yes. Because they are there for a purpose, aren't they? Yeah. They're, they're there to work for you to yeah. get that baby out. That's it. That was one of the things that changed it for me. I think you said just focus on each one. Yeah, don't, don't try. Think to... about the fact that you're going to have another one soon. Just get through that one, and then we'll see. And then we'll see what happens. Yeah. Do, they, do different women have different handling coping techniques? Of course. Can you remember something that's made you laugh or cry or or? No, it's 
it's woman is different. And I've been with one lady who needed to walk super fast around the house, <laughs> walking super fast. He, she, she couldn't stay sitting or whatever. There was another one who could only stay still, like standing, but then like kind of um, shaking. <laughs> and that was her way of coping. Others who are moving frontwards and backwards, frontwards and backwards, frontwards and backwards. Or yeah. And any, any like singing, dancing labors? Yeah, I, <laughs> I was not in that birth, but I did the antenatal class with this couple. And I remember I met them after birth and I asked them, how are we going? And the father, the partner told me, look, Vicky, I didn't know my wife could dance lambada like this. She was <laughs> in the middle of the corridor and she was moving her hips. I had never seen that. She was so sensual and, and she was moving amazingly well. And I was amazed. I had never seen her so sensual in my yeah. life. But it's true that there are some births which can be hard. Also. Yeah, yeah. And this is one of the things be, that yeah. I know friends that have had traumatic experiences and that can have be put them off doing it again. It can be completely different the second time, as you did. Very, very different births with three different children. Yeah. What are the pain relief options available here in Spain? Not in our hospitals, but we've got from the strongest to the lightest, mm -hmm. I would say that we've got epidural anesthesia. or Which makes your legs numb. Yeah. yeah. Now doses are quite pretty small. So usually if you get one or two doses, you still feel the legs and you still can move them. Okay. Then you've got walking epidural, which is a lighter anesthesia. But it's still in your back. It's still in your back. Mm -hmm. You can have the gas and air, then nitrous oxide. The That's what I had both times, <laughs> and it's amazing. It's also laughing gas, which I had oh, when it's I was the same thing. younger in parties. Mm -hmm. <laughs> then you can have the TENS machine, which are kind of stickers which you press oh, a button. TENS machine. It's, it's like electric. Yeah, there are like four stickers that you apply on your back and then you press a button and then you've got like an electrical discharge which mm -hmm. helps you coping with, with the pain of the contraction. And are they provided by hospitals? No, 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 you have uh, to bring it. Mm -hmm. Then there's also the heat. So it can be local heat with a hot water bottle or it can be in a, in a bath mm -hmm. or it can be in a shower. The massage, local massage. Then there's also homeopathy. Some women, they, they use homeopathy in their own in their mm -hmm. current lives and it can be useful but I always say all in case you you believe in homeopathy in something that you mm -hmm. used to take and that's it more or less what, what we can we can get so do you attend home births? never usually when a woman uh, wants a home birth the midwife is doing all the doula service yeah. I mean usually they work in couples there are two midwives working and they are giving you all that support all that emotional support yeah. So you don't really need mm. a doula. So in general, if a woman tells me, look, I'm thinking about having a home birth, then what I do is that I gave her contact details of very good, amazing midwives who can yeah. and do you this. And say, you don't need me here as well. <laughs> and then I tell them, hey, honestly, you don't need me because mm. you will you will be very well treated with this and midwife and her colleague. And if they want you to colleague. come afterwards, you can come afterwards. Whatever. Yeah. Do you also work with women who don't want a natural birth? Yeah. Yeah? That want a cesarean section, for example. For example, I've been with women who had to have a elected C-section. Mm -hmm. And then, for example, in one case, I, I slept 
in the room as a partner. So the partner was not there and, and, and I stayed with her in the hospital four nights. And so where's the cesarean section? You absolutely need someone to help you along along the way, especially afterwards. Yeah, then there in the theatre only the partner is allowed. Afterwards, I'm there helping you. Because it can be, it's a chirurgical operation. I mean, it's pretty painful the first mm. two days, three days. So you need a lot of There's help. a recovery period, isn't there? But for yeah. both, you know, for, for natural birth as well, there's yeah. a recovery period. But that. it's harder with the cessation. Yeah. So you need that support. Okay, yeah. let's move on to breastfeeding. What can you do for women with breastfeeding? If everything flows, nothing. (laughs) If you have issues, if you have pain while breastfeeding, if your baby is not growing, all these kind of things we need to take. And it is important to check with the professional. So if your midwife can help you, perfect. If your gynecologist can help you, perfect. And if not, it's good to know that there exists lactation consultants. Yeah, so, and that's what you are. And that's why I'm I. I can offer private sessions if the lady needs it. But also, I believe that all women who want to breastfeed, they should have the right of being helped without need of paying a private session. Mm-hmm. So I am volunteering in a group since nearly four years ago, and I go weekly to to attend mums and visit. I am part of Alba Lactancia mm-hmm. Association. We've got groups all around uh, Barcelona, and there's one group in Badalona, there's group in Vilasa, we've got Ciutat Bella, Poplanou, San Andreu. In, in our website, you can find all these groups, and all these groups are for free, and from Monday to Thursday, so every day, more or less, you have a group somewhere. We, we share in a group because many problems of, of many of us they affect other ladies. Yeah, not you maybe think you're now, the only one having a problem, but, but it's actually, not. Yeah. And it's good to share this information among us and talk. And what do you recommend for women who have engorged breasts at the start, where they get really hard and uncomfortable? With, with engorged breasts, the best is the cabbage leaves. Cabbage? Cold cabbage leaves applied on, on the boob. That's the best. But also breastfeeding properly and emptying well the, the, the breast every time mm-hmm. you're feeding. What is a good lap? I cannot tell you. Like It's difficult to tell you. You'd have to show you. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's very <laughs> hard imagine. to say because it really depends on the boob. It really depends on the baby. It really depends on the mouth. Each woman has her own boobs and are all different. Nipples are different. Oreolas are different. Mouthless babies are different. So mm. what, what I'm searching is is this combination of both yeah and you can see and you can help when you when you can see the individuals yes. yeah don't wait until the situation is too bad so as soon as you're feeling that something's wrong mm-hmm. ask for help from my experience i would recommend having someone like yourself come to your house and help you get into the different positions yeah because that really helped me i think that you there's this image of breastfeeding that's in your arms in a mm-hmm. cradle position and if you are not capable of doing it like that or if it's not comfortable at the start or for any reason you feel pretty bad mm-hmm. and it made me feel really uncomfortable in the hospital to sit up on those hospital beds that are a certain yeah. angle and have this baby on me and one midwife would say one thing and then a doctor would say another yeah. and and no one was giving me a message that I felt really comfortable with and when in my case with Oscar someone said well we can give him a bottle and and I started to feel like maybe I should be giving him a bottle because yeah, this isn't going easily and then when you came into the hospital first and said 
relax, let's get this going. And when we get home, we'll comfortably go through all the different positions. And when you did come to my house and I learned I could lie down and I learned how I, how he could lie on my front, even mm. if I was sitting up and it wouldn't, doesn't have to be yeah, all in my position. arms. It made a massive difference. And that's what I would recommend. One of the things that isn't talked about very often, and even online isn't something you can find very easily, is how to stop breastfeeding, whether it's soon after having your baby or in four years. Do you have any advice on on cutting down or or stopping? Firstly, we need to reduce the production. So to reduce the production, we need to reduce times that baby is breastfeeding. So that's one of the things. And the other thing for me very important is that you must be sure that you want to stop. If you are sure that you want to stop, then you can get these tips what to do step by step. Depending on the age of the baby, we'll have to do some things or different things. Because mm. under a year, they need to have something else. They need, they? To, they need yeah. to have some milk. Yeah. And, and after a year, it's just... No, no, no. They don't need it. Don't need it. Okay. As long as they're getting their cheese and their yogurt and everything like That's that. That's enough. Yeah. Okay. Brilliant. Let's talk about postpartum. So the mummy after birth. Do you have any tips for recovering your lady bit? I think that after birth, there are 40 days that we don't have to do anything. Um, the first days, if the zone is very swollen, then the first 48 hours applying cold pads are really useful. When it's swollen, do cold? Cold. Like uh, ice, but not directly, of course, but it really, it really helps. It does help as well, because it's just so hot down there. Yeah, it really helps. Yeah. That's at, at the earliest yeah. moment. Then after birth, if there's um, tearing, stitches, brisiotomy, whatever, um, and it's very sore when, when you go for a wee, then it's good to have like a herb tea to apply, to pour while you are weeing. Cold. Cold. <laughs> uh, made with thyme and... Oh yeah, you bought me a bottle. Tail horse, I think it's called. I don't know this plant uh, in English. But yeah, it's like kind of herb tea that you can prepare and leave it cold and then pour it every time you go for, for a wee because... Uh, Just pour it over your bits? Yeah, okay. because uh, time is antiseptic, so it will clean and will remove all the blood and, and also the fact that it's very cold, it will help reducing the swallowing. Mm. So you keep using it for a couple of days and then uh, the idea is keeping the the scar very very dry or as much dry as possible and clean. So wash it once or maximum twice per day, just water and soap, and then just letting it dry with a hair dryer with cold air or just with some a fan, yeah, a fan or, or something like just drying a little bit. Huh? And and what do you recommend for pads? Can you just use normal no normal sanitary pads? No, no. you cannot use normal sanitary pads. Even if you don't have any cuts or scars no, or anything. No, because they are very the thin ones. They are made of plastic, and then the scar cannot or the zone cannot breathe properly. Right. So they must be uh, cotton or hundred percent cellulose and very absorbent. So when can a woman have sex again after birth? Not before forty days. 
40 days after the birth. But the truth is that in general, we don't feel that we want to until a couple of months afterwards, which yeah. is pretty normal because hormones are helping our body to refuse sex. So you women... Hormonally, it's rejecting you so that you protect yourself. Yeah, that's the idea because your body doesn't want to get pregnant again if you are taking care of a newborn. Your instinct won't tell you to get, to, to have sex mm. because you won't be uh, lubricated. You will dry. be It's super dry. It's normal. And you feel tired and you don't you, you don't really want to, which is normal. And, and it's something that we need to respect. But if you do want to? If you want to and the fact that you are not enough lubricated, it's a problem, then you can use a lubricant and, and that's contraception. it. And contraception. And <laughs> contraception, that is very important. Yes, Unless you want another baby straight away. Yeah, but it can. it could happen that you ovulate before you notice getting a period and you could get pregnant. What about our bodies? Any advice on getting our bodies back? Firstly, I think it's it's good to accept our body as it is after the birth. To accept that we are taking care of a newborn and we are taking care of ourselves and it's important to accept our body as it is. And knowing that we need at least six months to recover, mostly recover, and then one year to feel exactly as we were before. Mm-hmm. Breastfeeding can help, but practicing sport before six weeks of after birth, I highly disrecommend. So no practicing any kind of sport before six weeks or six eight weeks, weeks yeah. in case of C-section. Because the womb, the uterus needs to go back to the original position and we need to leave nature do its job. Mm-hmm. So that's very important. Then afterwards, I I am, for example, I am a hypopressive instructor. So what's that? That's the tummy back. Is it where you suck your tummy in? Yes. In my personal experience, what happened is after having my second child, one year afterwards, I was one day jumping with my son, and then I found that I had weight on me, you know, oh. and I was only thirty years old, and I went to see gynecologists and many people, and everyone was telling me, "Oh, that's it. You have two children. What do you want? Do you have to start using these sanitary pads?" And I was like, "What?" <laughs> Then I found a physiotherapist who showed me and taught me how to practice hypocrisy for a couple of months. And the results were amazing. Amazing. Posturally, for the, for the posture, for my back, for my sexual life, for many things. And I felt so much better than I decided I wanted to become an instructor. I was born in 2012, imagine. So it's been like six years and I teach that and I have an amazing results and I I went trampolining yeah (laughs) recently and yeah pretty much every time I go trampolining once it starts happening trampolining it can start happening in other moments of your life when you run when you jump when you make efforts and later on it's not only when you're making efforts, physical efforts, but whenever. So the truth is that nowadays, private health insurance, they cover the services of physiotherapists, perennial physiotherapists, which are the responsibles of this zone who can teach you, can, who can well, make it. by insurance. Usually they are always covered. Oh, That's wow. why I'm saying. Uh, in, in the public system, it's harder to find it, but yeah, you can always go to your midwife and ask for a, for a visit and see if you can get one of these visits. Wow. But I really, really think that we as women, we need to take care of ourselves and we cannot say, 
Oh, it's going to disappear. No, it's not going to disappear. When it starts, it's going to become worse. Maybe it's going to take 10 years, but I don't want to be 55 and needing to use a sanitary pad if I go to run, you know? No, I do not want that either. So, (laughs) no, but there are many women who need it. So it's good to know that uh, there are tools. There are some things that we can do and they are effective. That's important. Then we must find time to do it, but... Yeah. So yeah, maybe that's definitely something I need to get working on this year. Mm. So what's normal emotionally? Oof, emotionally, hormones, they are doing a big job during that period of time. So it's normal to feel tired, to need to cry, to have very little things that obsess us or that make us feel really sad suddenly. And rationally, you don't understand why, but it's like this. Just hormonal, just crazy hormonal, up, down, left, right. (laughs) And then suddenly you are super happy and suddenly And active cleaning kitchens and then the next minute you can't move and you're crying. That's normal. Or crying at adverts on the television. Yes, (laughs) all this can happen. But when the situation after six weeks, we keep crying and we keep feeling sad and we keep feeling that... uh, we cannot cope with the whole situation, taking care of the baby. We don't feel capable of doing it. Then it is important to think about seeing a specialist. Psychologist, yeah. After birth, uh, depression, it's pretty common and more common than we, we are expecting. Mm. And we don't talk about it because right. it's something that we are expecting that after birth, we must be super happy as... You've got this brand new baby. And and you must be super happy and enjoying and laughing and and being gorgeous. But sometimes we don't feel like this. And we must accept how do we feel. And we need support. And it is important to search for this support and not to judge that woman who is feeling like this. After birth, you have to take care of yourself. That is. You are a priority. You and that baby are the only things that really should be the priority in the house. Also, there are ladies, and it happens to that they feel incapable to take care of the newborn. Yeah. They don't feel the strength to to do anything. And it's not that they don't want to. They want to, but they feel physically incapable. I can't imagine it. It And and it's hard. It's very, very hard. So it is important to... To know that if these things happen, we need to find help. That it's not, we are not strange. We are not a monster. We are not a bad mom. We are not, Mm. you know. You should look into getting help and asking someone. Even if you don't want to ask a medical professional, you could ask someone like yourself and at least talk to someone about how you're feeling, especially your partner, if you can talk to your partner. Yeah. The truth is that after my experience, I've, I've been giving support as a doula and more than 400 women and it's not very very common but it has happened to me to find women who were going through uh, afterbirth depression and it's hard for me uh, going to this house giving support and tell this lady look you need professional help and you need it now because it's getting worse and worse so after this I decide that I need to go one step over. So nowadays I'm studying psychology. I want to become a um, perinatal psychologist. I would like to have... Perinatal, so the whole, the, whole. the whole thing. Wow, that's amazing. So that's what, what I want to become. And 
I'm already studying my third year at university and, and I hope being psychology soon and, and being able to have these tools to, to be able to help those ladies who go through these situations. Vicky, thank you so, so much for coming. It's been an absolute pleasure and I've learned so much. And e- even after having my two children, I've, I learned from you. And you're still the kindest oh, light you. that comes into my space. Oh, it's amazing. It. It's been really lovely to have you here. Thank, thank you, very, you much. very much. It's been a super pleasure. That was the interview. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, subscribe on iTunes for all future episodes. All the links can be found on omotherbarcelona.com. Follow us and get involved on Instagram and Facebook at Oh Mother Barcelona. And again, thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a fantastic day.